This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. It was a jaw-dropping moment in a recent Republican debate. A candidate for president of the United States, Nikki Haley, asserting that any American who wants to get online ought to be easily identifiable. It's an affront to the First Amendment, the right of privacy, and anonymous speech. Edward Long of the James Madison Institute discusses the big problems in compelling everyone online to tell you who they are. Congress doesn't really know what it wants to do with respect to protecting young people online, but they know they must do something. And that's a terrible combination. So I always say the uh, the most dangerous thing a lawmaker can say is, I want to do something. And we're hearing a lot of that in, in both the halls of Congress and state legislatures across the country. And that's leading to some really bad bills concerning teen online safety. Okay, so now with respect to uh, one presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, what what was it exactly that she suggested? Sure. So one of the things she she suggested was that Americans, you know, who enjoy First Amendment rights, and also contain within that the right to anonymous speech, verify themselves with social media platforms. She sort of wrapped this up in kind of the national security framework. Because, again, why come up with a reasonable argument for something when you can just slate it down to national security? Okay, so, and she was calling for age verification for... So, not just age verification, but also sort of name verification. So, you know, you can put a a, a literal name to the face on social media platforms. All right, now I'm trying to understand her rationale here. Um, If uh, this, what is it about the government not knowing who I am when I speak online. What about that is a national security threat? So put very simply, I don't know. Um, You know, the the courts have routinely affirmed Americans' rights to anonymous speech. I think sort of her rationale is that, you know, we have accounts coming from China, from Russia, potentially also India, um, that, you know, will be commenting sort of inflammatory posts on sort of U.S. politics to, to sort of destabilize the, the domestic sort of political environment ahead of 2024. So the calculation that she seems to have made, uh, and tell me if you think that this is incorrect, is that the existence of foreign bots that have the potential to get Americans riled up or angry about something means that I don't get to be relatively anonymous on the internet Correct. anymore. Correct. What a, what a horrible calculation that is. I think, I, I mean, I think it, it, it's deeply concerning, especially coming from, you know, Republicans who continually have, you know, placed themselves as sort of defenders of limited government and, and, you know, freedom of speech. Especially recently, right? Like Republicans have been out front, uh, waving the first amendment around, uh, uh you know, sometimes inappropriately, but uh, certainly uh, have cast themselves as defenders of free speech. What have other candidates for president uh, said about her proposal? So, if I remember correctly, uh, Governor DeSantis was quite sort of somewhat vocal in his criticisms of, of what Haley said. A lot of the other candidates, I think, were relatively quiet. Um, that's probably because I think most of them would probably support it. You know, we're seeing a trend within the, in the Republican Party that's as equally hostile to 
tech companies as the Democrats are. You know, I, I think if there's one bipartisan consensus in Congress, it's, as you said earlier, we've got to do something about these tech companies. You know, it, it sort of doesn't matter if it's a good or bad idea. We've just got to do something. Right. And, and But th- in this case, um, of course, our rights would be implicated. Our rights to communicate freely with one another I mean, would I, be implicated. I, I think implicated is a very soft way of putting it out. So I'd say probably trashed might be. Well, a, no, I mean, I mean, they're, they're implicated in some of the other efforts sure. that Congress has engaged in and state governments have engaged in to try to, so, quote unquote, crack down on big tech companies. But this, it seems that the, uh, the punishment that she would like to exert falls almost entirely on law-abiding Americans attempting to assert their right to engage in speech as freely as possible. Correct. I mean, I, I think sort of, you know, you, you look at the history of this, right, is that the American Revolution itself and kind of the formation of this country was founded on anonymous speech. Um, you know, I think Alexander Hamilton um, and also James Madison used pseudonyms during sort of the, the Constitutional Convention to criticize, you know, federalism, um, you know, sort of the, the, the potential shift to, um, you know, a, a stronger central government than what we ultimately ended up with. Now, my concern sort of beyond that is that you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the Biden administration for, you know, jawboning, you know, putting pressure on social media companies to censor speech. So criticizing them on, on one hand, but you're also now potentially empowering a future democratic administration to not only censor speech, but also know who's saying what. And that scares the hell out of me. Going forward, it, it is one, I think Ron DeSantis probably ought to pipe down on criticizing uh, candidates when it comes to their uh, preferences with regard to the freedom of speech. He doesn't exactly have a very strong record there. And I can imagine a future and past President Trump would love to know the identities of the people who are criticizing him. Sure, and I, 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 that that sort of worries me as well. Is that we're just handing more and more power to the federal government here, again for a party that's consistently positioned itself as you know the anti-government party. Um, you know, Donald Trump. You know, for all his complaints about tech companies, he too was engaging in similar practices, albeit not on the same scale as the Biden administration. Um, you know. Certainly, is that a way to temper dissent? The Supreme Court has consistently argued it is. I hope you don't have a good answer for this. Um, but is there anything that these statist Republicans and statist Democrats, is there something that they agree on in this realm? Because it would terrify me if they did find something that was agreeable with respect to uh, I age verification or identity verification online. So we are sort of seeing a lot of bills crop up at the state level with bipartisan support for, for you know, age verification measures. I think nationally, obviously, sort of the, the dynamics in Congress are very uh, tight. You know, we've got to raise a thin Republican majority in the House. We've got Democratic control in the Senate. I would be surprised if anything was able to move. You know, there's been talk over the past year or so about things like, you know, the Earn It Act, the Kids Online Safety Act, COSA, um, Child Online Protection Act, COPA 2.0. A lot of those haven't moved simply because there's, you know, very tight political dynamics, you know, a fractured government between Democratic and Republican control. 
that actually, you know, thankfully, a lot of these really bad bills can't move. Edward Long directs technology and innovation at the James Madison Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>